it's uh, summer out, but what beautiful weather uh, that we have been blessed with here in uh, the last couple of days. And, you know, today is just a gorgeous day out as well. So not bad for getting towards the end of uh, October. And considering last week weekend, I was firing up the snowblower. So, <laughs> but uh, what beautiful weather. Amen. Um, I just want to share this morning uh, a real little bit before I get into my word. You know, it was interesting as we were doing during worship time, uh, the Lord really wanted me to hone in on the songs and the order of the songs. And I feel he gave me a word um, with the uh, with the songs. And I just want to share that this morning with you. And so uh, I apologize. It might be a little choppy, a little bit of wonkiness onto it um, because it was just like I was sharing a pen with my youngest daughter. And so uh, we're kind of going back and forth. But I want to share this one. And and uh, it, it goes in the order of the songs that we sang this morning. It says, The devil lost another one. We are free because the battle belongs to the Lord. We proclaim our victory as we come to the altar to lay it down. It's at the altar is where I tasted and see the goodness of the Lord. It is in his presence. Lord, let us be sensitive to his presence. You know, we talk about the altar, and, and we are we are encouraged by our worship team every Sunday to come to the altar. It's just, it's a place where we truly can just come there and, and kind of just block out the, the noise around us, kind of put a little bit of blinders on us and just really hone in and focus on the Lord. And, uh, you know, and there's not one of us in this room that is absolute perfect. We all go through some things in life. And so I want to encourage you uh, this morning. And uh, if, you know, on these Sunday mornings, you know, we, the altar's always open. We always say that. And we want to encourage you, whether it's the first song, second song, or the third song. You know, if you're going through some things, it's at the altar is where we taste and see the goodness of our Lord. Our victory isn't fought on our own strength. The victory that we need isn't fought at home. It's with the other person. Our victory that we need is here at the altar. Because there's some junk and there's some things in our lives that we just got to get rid of. And what better place to just lay it all out than at the altar and say, Lord, I'm done with this, carrying this baggage or carrying this burden or struggling with this fear or struggling with this temptation and just laying it at the altar. I just wanted to encourage you with that word this morning. Amen. Amen. Let's get into the word this morning. And, and before we do that, can we just give our worship team a hand this morning? And You know, Chris on the drums this morning. And, and uh, what a great job on the drums. And uh, just the, uh, the anointing uh, that is on your life to be able to play multiple instruments. Uh, I have a hard time chewing, talking, and walking at the same time. And you got keyboard down, you got the drums down. And, and uh, so bless you, brother. And it was just great this morning. My message this morning is, uh, is perhaps paradox. And that word perhaps is one of my favorite words I like to use when I respond to my wife. She just loves it uh, when she will ask a question or, you know, just even if uh, just in general conversation and I end the conversation with perhaps. And, uh, you know, sometimes she'll just say, hey, can you help me out? Because I like to put stuff really high. You know, I like to put my chocolate bars at the top level where nobody else can get it in the house except for me. 
So my wife will ask, can you come and help me? You put something up so high I can't reach it. And I'll respond with, perhaps. Amen. And so the definition of perhaps is this. It's used to express uncertainty or possibility. And I want to share this morning a perhaps moment that we read in the Bible. And so to me, it is encouraging that uh, I read this and I prepared this message and I saw this message in the Old Testament. And it's encouraging because it's someone who in that time overcame their fears and chose to take a bold risk in a time of uncertainty. Let's pray before I go any further. Father God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for the message that you have you have uh, put into my spirit to speak this morning. I pray, Father God, that I would decrease, may you increase. I pray that in this house and those that are watching online, that every ear be open, that they hear what the Spirit is saying this morning. May our eyes be open this morning, Father God. May we see the depth and the length uh, and, and the width of your word here this morning. Father God, I pray that in this house here this morning and those that are watching online, Father, that this wouldn't just be another message on a Sunday morning here in this valley, in this state, in this nation, and around the world. But I pray this morning that this message speaks to our spirit. I pray that this message this morning would, would light a fire, would light a passion, would light a hunger for your presence. Lord, I pray this morning that let today be a day that revival begins in our lives, in our families, in this city, in this state, in this nation. Lord, we join the other churches that are having service this morning and praising and worshiping you and speaking the word. And we join them in unity in this nation. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would move in this place. Move in this house. Move in my life. Move in our lives. Move in our city blocks, Lord God. Father, for we are nothing without you. Lord, and we thank you and praise you for all that you're doing. Lord, open the eyes of every one of us for deeper revelation of who we are in Christ Jesus. In your great and mighty and awesome name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible this morning, I'll have the scriptures up here on the on the wall, and, and I do want to apologize if you guys thought that the, uh, the worship, the, the words that were on the wall was a little wonky. That was my fault. Uh, I threw a curveball at our team this morning. I needed to add some more scripture, so uh, if you saw that, it was, where are the words on the wall? Um, that was on me, so uh, that, and my, what my daughter would say, that's, uh, that's my bad. So, but if you have your uh, Bible this morning, open up to 1 Samuel chapter 13. We're really going to dive into chapter 13 and 14 here this morning. I want to encourage you, if you have uh, an opportunity to either highlight scriptures, take notes, please do so. Uh, I'm excited for this word. And so, in chapter 13, uh, but I want to give you a little bit of background before I get into my first uh, verse that I want to read. And so, in, verse, in uh, chapter 13 of 1 Samuel, you will read that the army of King Saul, they found themselves in a tight, tight position. They found them in a tough military position where they're basically, they're locked in, right? And the enemy, the Philistines, they made a strategic move on their end that pinned King Saul and his entire army in a place where they're basically on a losing end, on a losing side of a standoff. And now that you would think that in this moment as a king of an army, 
as a leader, as a soldier, as a father, a husband, a brother, that you would think that in this moment of time, this this moment of of what do we do next? What is our next move? Because I got to imagine the the generals are looking to the king, and and if, if Dan was the king at this time, we'd say, Dan, what is next? What are we to do next? What now? What's the next move? You can clearly see we're surrounded. You can clearly see that our we're you know we're between a rock and a hard place per se. We're in a tough bind. And instead of him, instead of King Saul saying, this is what we need to do, instead of him standing up in front of his army, in front of his leaders, his soldiers, and saying, men of God, this is what we need to do. This is the direction we need to go. Yes, the army, of the Philistine army has us surrounded. Yes, the Philistine army has us pinned in a spot, but God will deliver us. Instead of him saying that, instead of him saying, let's take the lead, he apparently was more interested in hiding in the weeds. As we read in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 6, it says, when the Israelites saw that their situation was critical and that their army was hard-pressed, they hid in caves, in thickets, or I would say in the weeds, among the rocks and in pits and in cisterns. That's just basically saying wherever they can get and hide. I mean, this was like hide-and-seek 101. They were ready to ever, ever play hide-and-seek with the kids at the house. You know, I mean, they find some crazy places to hide. I mean, these guys were like expert hide-and-seekers here, just trying to find anywhere that they can just get out of the path of the Philistines. And then in verse 7, it says this. It says, some Hebrews who were part of King Saul's army even crossed the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead while the king Saul remained at Gilgal. And all the troops with him were quaking with fear. And it's interesting that in that moment of time, where King Saul is at, where his thought process is at. And it's interesting in that moment of time that all up to that moment, all these people that were for him and all these people that were, that were leaving their families behind, it's interesting in that moment that their fear, that they were quaking with fear and uncertainty. And I imagine in that moment when the hundreds of soldiers that were with him, there was a lot of chattering, a lot of discussions going on on how do we get out of here. Might have been some of it might have been what's the best hiding spot or what's the best path to cross over into another foreign land. And if we go into First Samuel, if you go with me to in uh, chapter 13, and I want you to scroll down to verse 22. I'm going to bounce around a little bit, and then I'll tie it all together at the end here. And in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 22, it says, So on a day of the battle, not a soldier with Saul and Jonathan had a sword or a spear in his hand. Now, it's kind of important that when, if you're going to go to war, in that time, it's kind of important that you at least have a sword in your hand or a spear that you can throw. 
Because if I go into a fight and a person I'm going into a fight against has a sword and I don't, what are my odds of winning that one? Not very good. And I I got cat-like reflexes, right? And I can move like a ninja. There's no way that I would say I'm going to win that fight. But I want you to keep that scripture there in 1 Samuel chapter 13, verse 22 in mind. Because then it goes on, it says, only Saul and his son, Jonathan, had them. One had a sword, one had a spear, and that was it. So I want you for a moment to put yourself in Jonathan's sandals. Your dad, King Saul, earlier in the chapter, you can read that on your own. He did not have the discipline that he needed. He did not have the discipline in the area of trusting and waiting on the Lord. So he forced the situation. He put his hand on something that he shouldn't have put his hand on. He made a move based upon his own feelings when he should have just been disciplined enough and said, Lord, I will wait on you, even though it doesn't look very good in this moment. Now, part of me can kind of relate to King Saul. Because if my men of, of hundreds of individuals are fleeing and hiding in every single thing, I would get a little nervous too, thinking, I better do something because they're asking me to do something. I think about my job as a, a manager of 400 employees. And if all 400 employees came to me one day and said, you got to do something, we don't have, uh, you know, water, or we don't have electricity, or we don't have this, that, or the other, I'm going to think, i got to do something. It's a lot of pressure. Think about that in your own life for a moment. As a leader, a husband, a wife at home, a son, a daughter at home, there are many things that we come across every day where we have to make decisions. And sometimes we're not disciplined enough to wait on the Lord. Sometimes we're not disciplined enough to take the time to hear what does the Lord want me to do. And because we're not disciplined in that area of waiting on the Lord, because we're not disciplined enough in the area of just giving it over to the Lord, because we're not disciplined enough in the area of laying all our burdens down or giving all Him over our our relationships, or giving the Lord our jobs, or our finances, whatever it might be, we decide, I better do something out of my own strength and my own intellect. Well, how is that working out for you today? And if we're really honest with one another, we might, some of you might say, it's working out okay. But if we're really honest, I would be the one saying, that doesn't work out very good for me. Because I've had a few of those moments where I thought, this is what I want to do in my life. This is what I want to do in my career. And then I quickly got into that area of my career and realized, yikes, not the best place for me to be right now. So he forced the situation. I saw a video, and I was sharing it with my wife as we were uh, uh, at a swim meet yesterday, 
And uh, I saw a video of Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, one of one of my favorite football players. And uh, he's now a, a head coach for uh, for a college. Uh, and uh, he had a video that came out, and I thought it was just absolutely awesome what he was speaking to his team. And Coach Prime says, he was talking about how discipline provokes opportunities. And he was talking to that football team and saying, if we are, if they are not disciplined, they won't get opportunities in the area which they want opportunities in. Now, as a football player in college, a lot of them are having this desire to play at the next level. But if they're not disciplined in the weight room, if they're not disciplined in the film session, if they're not disciplined in their studies, if they're not disciplined as decent human beings, they won't get the opportunities in areas they want opportunities. Think about that. That's his message that he was speaking. He was basically saying, look, some of you jokers don't want an education. And he was telling the other jokers, some of you don't even want to go to the next level. But the point was is that they were taking the time off of other coaches. And he was really driving home being disciplined in certain areas. We all want opportunities. And I want you to think about that for a moment because that message that, that Coach Prime shared on that, that can apply with our walk with the Lord. I think about the Wednesday night classes that my oldest daughter and I are taking at Pastor Charles is, is doing uh, on the finance classes. And that class has really transformed the way that I view my finances and not just my paychecks. And that class, how it transformed it, it, it has given me to an area where now I've been becoming disciplined in all the areas of my finances. Because I'm saying, God, I want opportunities. Lord, I want opportunities to, to continue to, you know, expand the wealth. And I'm not talking financially. I want opportunities where I can bless my children and bless my children's children. You know, I want opportunities to do with all these things that you have called me to do. And I, I got to the point where when I was putting this message together, it's like, I get it now. I'm not disciplined in all the areas. Some areas, absolutely in. The tithe and offering, absolutely. But I'm not disciplined in my 401k. Because for me, when I took the 401k, I just set it and forget it. Right? I, I never really paid attention to it. But the class that's being taught on Wednesday, even the 401k belongs to the Lord. That's his money, and I'm investing in it. And silly me, over the last two years, I lost $40,000. I just said it and forget it. I ain't paying attention to that. But I'm not disciplined. Well, how, if I'm not disciplined even in the things of a 401k that I just take for granted, how can I say, Lord, I want opportunities? Amen? What a great message. Amen? I want to just, let's get us back here on, on track here. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 13. You know, we went to 22. Now we're going to back up a little in verse 19 and through 21. Because I really want you to, to get the whole view and the understanding of, of just the position this army was in. And just how terrible they were in. 
And verse 19, it says, not a blacksmith could be found in the whole land of Israel. That's a problem. Because the Philistines had said, otherwise the Hebrews will make swords and spears. So what did the Israelites do? So all the Israel went down to the Philistines to have their plow points, the mattocks and the axes and sickles sharpened. And in verse 21, it goes to the pricing that they were charged with. There was no enemy discount happening here. And that situation was so dire that the Israelites, they had to go to their enemies just to get their pitchforks sharpened up, their axes, their sickles. And see, the Philistine blacksmiths, they didn't mind that business. They were getting paid because they were charging the Israelites inflation rate at that time. And it's amazing, even back then, there were struggles with inflation. Eventually, though, Jonathan becomes so irritated with the fear and the inaction of his fellow warriors that Jonathan, he decides, you know what, I need to make a bold move. And go with me in 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. In 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outposts of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. In the sports world, Cam would tell his football players, it's time to put up or shut up time. Either we're going to go after it and battle, or we're just going to let fear continue to grip our hearts. And that's a message for us this morning. Sometimes we just have to face some hard things. And it's easy for us to just want to hide in the, in the caves, hide behind the rocks, hide in the weeds. But in this moment of time, Jonathan says, you know what, armor barrier, we have to do something. And perhaps if we do something, God will act on our behalf. Perhaps God will move. Perhaps God will answer our prayer. Perhaps God will see that we're just two bold young guys, one with the spear and the other one with the pitchfork. Maybe he'll have mercy because you got the pitchfork. And maybe, perhaps, we will have victory. Or perhaps we last longer than 10 minutes. This two-man commando raid was potentially had God, was God-inspired, and part of it was a little ludicrous. Remember, only Jonathan, right, he had a spear or sword. My guess is he probably had the, the sword because King Saul, he likes to throw that spear, right, throwing it at David, right? And so that armor bearer, not sure what he had. Maybe it was a sickle. You ever see a sickle? I don't know how you use that in battle. Maybe it was a pitchfork, whatever it was. These two men decide, you know what, perhaps God will move on our behalf. And if it's not crazy enough to go in battle with just the two of you and your best, your, your armor bearer's got a pitchfork, in verse 8, Jonathan says this, Come on, then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. 
I mean, it's not even a sneak attack. It's not even, I know a back route or a back alleyway. It's not even, let's wait until, you know, the darkest part of the night and let's go and attack them while they're sleeping. No, it's, hey, Jonathan, or Jonathan says to his armor bearer, pick up your, your sickle or pick up your pitchfork. Let's go and rage war. Perhaps God will move. And in the best thing, armor barriers, we're going to allow them to see us. There's no hiding. There's no sneakiness. It's basically saying, here I am, God. I'm going all in. Now, I don't claim to be a professional military strategist, but my common sense kicks in and tell, that's telling me that it's a bad idea to get into a fight when you're outnumbered at least 10 to 1. And one of those guys that you're with has a pitchfork. On top of that, my thinking, my common sense is thinking this, and we're going to let them see us? Here, Jonathan and his armor bearer openly approaches the enemy's posts. And the Bible says, the scripture says, if they get the go-ahead from God, that they're going, to be, they're going to attack. So here they are, outnumbered, outmanned. They're under resource. And to me, that sounds like a borderline suicidal mission. But if God is for them, and that's where Jonathan was at. Jonathan figured, but if God is for me, nothing can stop us. And when you read in verse 6 of chapter 14, I mean, you, if you read it for the very first time, you would think that Jonathan is sending mixed messages to his armor barrier. Because Jonathan says, perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. Not quite sure. But then right, he follows that up. He goes, nothing can hinder the Lord. Well, is it perhaps the Lord will move? Or is it nothing can hinder the Lord? And if I was the armor barrier and you were trying to convince me to go on a raid like that, I would ask for a little bit more than a perhaps. And Jonathan seems to be speaking in circles, talking to his armor barrier. Perhaps Jonathan was losing his mind at this moment. Perhaps Jonathan was having a complete meltdown or a midlife crisis. Or perhaps true faith always feels this way. See, on one hand, I know what the word of the Lord says about every situation I can encounter because it's in his word. There isn't one situation that I will come across that there isn't a solution in his word. There isn't one moment or season of time that I'm going to have this struggle and thinking, man, God, I'm the only one. There isn't a single moment, whether it's relationship, whether it's job, finances, health, there isn't any moment that there isn't an answer. So I know what the Word of the Lord says and what the Lord is capable of doing. And on the other hand, I think... God is willing to do this specific thing. I know God can, and I'm pretty sure he will. That's sometimes how faith works. I know God can do it. But the part we get hung up on is, I'm pretty sure, or perhaps, or maybe. 
Because then we do self-reflection time. I'm not worthy. Ah, maybe he's not going to do it because I don't feel worthy. Okay? Who am I? What have I done? Look at my background. Look at where I came from. We do self-reflections. Well, I got myself in this mess. I guess I got to get it up myself out of this mess. And I want to share you with, this, with you this morning that I got myself in some financial messes right before I married my wife. Bad move, single guys. Don't be in financial messes before you get married. Because it doesn't end when you get married. But I thought in that moment, I thought, there's no way I'm going to get out of this financial mess. But it was perhaps God will move if I obey his word, if I follow his lead. Amen? So I'm pretty sure he can. However, I can't completely be sure. You've ever had those moments? I'm pretty sure God wants me to go here. I'm pretty sure God wants me to do this job. I'm pretty sure God wants me to move here. I'm pretty sure God wants me to, to give and a tithe and offering. I'm pretty sure God wants me to just be so bold to say hi to somebody today. But I can't be completely sure. And this is where sometimes this audacious faith comes in. See, audacious faith is believing that God's promise is bigger than my perhaps. Jonathan acted out of audacious faith. I'm going to go. My armor bearer, you're coming with me. Quite honestly, the armor bearer didn't have any say in this anyways. So he was going. We're going to go and attack with a sword and a pitchfork. Perhaps God will move. But then his audacious faith kicks in. And his audacious faith says nothing can hinder the Lord from saving. Whether by a few or by many, it does not matter. Think about that for a moment. Two people on a commando raid. Twelve disciples changed the world. A handful of fishes and a handful of loaves. Think about Moses and Abraham. Does God need thousands and thousands and thousands of people? No. He needs a handful of people, maybe one individual, maybe it's just you and your family that will have audacious faith and says, perhaps God will move. I can't be completely sure. I know what the Word of God says. So instead of me just wondering and kicking the tires a little bit and peeking around the corner, I'm going to step boldly out and say, God, you are for me, and nothing can hinder what you want to do. I want you to wrap your brain around that a little bit tighter. You don't need to have an army of a 1,000 people. Go through the Bible. Because there was, there was an army of tens of thousands of people, and it dwindled all the way down to a handful of hundreds of people that went into war. God needs a few. One is what he needs. That will say, God, I know what your word says. I know what you're capable of doing. I know, Father God, that you want me to step out in this area. So I'm going to go do it. 
And I don't care if everybody sees me doing it. Amen? So Jonathan acts out of audacious faith. Because every one of us in this room, we would all would love to live in a world where we hear the voice of the Lord so clearly, so loud, that we can't mistake in it. Every decision, whether it's small or big, we all would love to hear, yes, Dan, that is the path to go on. You know, yes, Bill, take that job or whatever it might be. We all would love to hear that audible voice. There's always this uncertainty, and then our brain is kicking around and saying, don't do it, and half of us is saying, do it. But we, sometimes we just got to say, you know what, I know what the word of the Lord says. And we all would love to enjoy the type of life that we can do big things with minimal risk. I love to invest every single penny that I have, knowing that there is no risk in the stock market. Right? I would love to do get back into weightlifting and, and be my younger teenage self if there was no risk to having a bad back and legs that can't move and arms that can't lift. I, t- I tell you, I lift a little bit of weights and I can't feel my arms for three days. But the fact is, sometimes we need to operate out of audacious faith. And audacious faith, it doesn't eliminate the doubt and fear that we're going to have. What audacious faith does, it eclipses their power one decision at a time. Audacious faith says, perhaps if I press into the Lord a little longer, a little more. Audacious faith says, perhaps if I pray a daring prayer, God will answer. God will show up. Audacious faith says to me, says, if I get on my knees at the altar, maybe perhaps today God will move in a mighty way. Audacious faith says, if I get into my prayer closet at home, perhaps God will move on my behalf and this relationship gets healed. This broken family gets redeemed and gets healed. Audacious faith will say, you know what, I'm going to pray this prayer. That the joy of your salvation, Lord, is restored unto me. And perhaps I will have joy in my life once again. Perhaps if I, if I press in a little bit more, healing will come into my body. Because I know the word of the Lord never goes away. And what was true then is true today. So if he healed then, what is he doing today? He's healing today. Audacious faith says, I don't care what it looks like what it smells like, what color it is, or who's around me. But I'm going to believe today and tomorrow that God wants this for my life. Amen? That's audacious faith. That's what Jonathan is saying. He's saying to his armor barrier, perhaps God will move. I don't know for sure. But I know enough to say God will not forsake us or leave us, armor barrier. I know enough to say God doesn't need hundreds and thousands of military people to win this battle. He just needs two dudes to come into a battle and say, here we are, come and get us. He just needs two individuals. But think about that for a moment. When when Jesus sends out the people in the New Testament, he sends them out by twos. 
by twos. So Jonathan and his armor bearer go out together to fight. And it doesn't matter if you have a bazooka in your hand, if you have a if you're driving a tank, if you have a sword, or if you have a pitchfork. It doesn't matter to the Lord. Meaning it doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter what your understanding of the word is. It doesn't matter that you have the greatest depth and knowledge of every single Bible verse, and you can quote every single one of them from Genesis to Revelation. It doesn't matter that you have this prophetic and, and apostolic background. What matters to God is that you say, God, I'm going to step out of my comfort zone. I'm going to step towards something that looks a little bleak, not quite sure if you're really into it, but I have this audacious faith that says, I need to do something. Because if I don't do something, the outcome is greater than if I do something. See, if Jonathan and his armor bearer don't do something, certain death was upon them. That outcome either was going to be death or there would be nobody left because they're all sprinting to get out of the way. And think about that for a moment for your families, your home, your careers. Sometimes we just got to do something. I don't know what it is. You do. But sometimes we just got to say, I want to do this because I know what's in my heart. I know what God is laying on my heart. I know there's a stir and I know what the word of the Lord says. So I'm just going to do this regardless of what the actions around me look like. My family could be fleeing from me. My co-workers could be turning their backs on me. My friends that I think are my friends in the church could be hiding in the weeds when I'm saying, I need a little help here. But I found one person, that's all I need is one person, that will link his arms with me, and we're going to go to battle together. Amen? Audacious faith. Praying, daring prayers. And I want to encourage you, do not wait until you are 100% sure it's the voice of the Lord. Because if we wait until we're 100% sure before we make a move, you're still going to wait. Unless somebody is in here that hears the voice of the Lord in audible, I love to hang out with you. Because teach me. Because I found in my walk, very short walk with the Lord, that if I waited until I was 100% sure that God wants me to give and tithe an offering, I'd still be in the mess that I was in. If I was 100% sure that God wanted us to put our house up for sale, to move to a certain house in Kimberly that so happened to be next to a church where a pastor Charles was at, I wouldn't be here today. If we were always 100% sure, we'd be so indecisive. That if we're always trying to get to that point of, of accuracy, 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 we will drive ourselves crazy. Sometimes we just need a little bit of assurance. And that little bit of assurance comes from the word of the Lord. And that little bit of assurance should be enough to say, you know what? I'm going to step out in audacious faith. I'm going to step out because perhaps God will move. Perhaps God will do something in my life.
So don't wait. And whatever you do, do not take your cues from complacent individuals. Do not take your cues from those that are saying, I'm comfortable and just happy. Do not take your cues from individuals that are not always striving and pushing forward and wanting more. There is enough, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat on the Christians in America, but there are enough complacent Christians that there's no wonder why we have issues in this nation my oldest daughter and I, we went to a college, and I'm not going to name the college. But it's so radical on that university. They have co-ed bathrooms. They have co-ed showers. Because they're so radical in their thought process. Because they don't want to offend anybody. They want to make sure that a male who identifies themselves as a her can go use that bathroom. And because the complacency has set into the church, this types of things, have, it should be no shock to us. But praise God that he is raising up a remnant. Praise God that there is enough individuals in the house of the Lord that says perhaps God will still move in this nation. Perhaps God will still move in my church. Perhaps God will still move in my life. Praise God, there's enough individuals that are like Jonathan. And even as armor bearer, we're not all Jonathans. Some of us are the armor bearers. That's will say, you're going to lead, I will follow, I will be there with you. Do what is in your heart. That's what his armor bearer said. Do what is in your heart. Do what pleases you. And sometimes we just got to say that to our brother or sister that's going through some things. I'm here for you. Do what pleases. Do what you feel the Lord is calling you to do. Don't wait. Don't wait. Because there's enough Christians in our lives and in this, in this nation who are satisfied with sitting in the kiddie pool depth of faith. That they're just chilling. And I want to encourage you. I want to poke you and prod you a little bit. That as a, as a church, as believers... Take the step. Step out. And sometimes God's calling you to do great things. And perhaps God is calling you this morning to something greater and deeper. Perhaps this morning God wants to move on your behalf. This morning it may seem that you are surrounded with no exit, doomed from the beginning. But if you make a move, perhaps God responds if he did it for me, I love that song, if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. And he'll do it again and again. Perhaps this morning God is calling you to get up from your place of complacency and lead the way so others can see a different example of the true nature of faith. Perhaps this morning you need to step out in faith so that those that are closest to you or sit next to you this morning says, wow, that encourages me. I'm going to go that way too. I'm going to follow that person. I'm going to step out. Wow, they went to the altar. That encourages me. I want to go to the altar. They stepped out in faith. 
And so perhaps this morning God's calling you so that you can be that example. So that the example that you are being will fill them with a longing to experience his power. When Jonathan convinced his armor bearer, it was Jonathan who led the way. Prior to verse 6 in 1 Samuel chapter 14, the Israelite army was stagnant. They were hiding. They were gripped with fear. They were quaking, is what the scripture says. But then there was a movement. Then something shifted, something changed. And if you have time, read that through 1 Samuel 14. It's powerful. That what Jonathan and his armor barrier did, it shifted the outcome. There was a movement, a change. And I'm going to close with this. Jonathan and his armor bearer ended up, really they saved the day in a spectacular way. And in 1 Samuel 14, as you can read through later on, the Scripture says that they killed over 20 Philistines in that first attack. That act of audacious faith shifted the fate of an entire nation. That one act, that one decision to say perhaps God will move changed the outcome of hundreds and thousands of soldiers who were all hiding. If you read in the scriptures, some of those Hebrews even joined the Philistine army. But when Jonathan and his armor barrier came and they attacked, the scripture talks about they killed 20 people in a, in a half acre area. That's basically the size of this room. And when the Philistines heard about this attack, the scripture says they went into great confusion. And the confusion was so great that that got back to King Saul. And King Saul says, what is going on? Let's take a roll call. Who's missing? Something's happening. Comes to find out Jonathan and armor barrier are missing. And in that moment, Saul gets his army up. And as he goes out to attack, the Philistine army was so confused of what was going on, they were attacking themselves. And it's interesting as you read the scriptures that because of two individuals who stepped out in audacious faith, who says, perhaps God, people came out of hiding. People who once turned their back on them decided, you know what, I'm going back. I'm going back to the Philistine army. Or, excuse me, I'm going back to the Israelite army. They came out of the Philistine army. Think about that. You runs my friend and brother. Then you became a traitor because you went to go fight the other, with the other army. And then you're back again, being my friend. But isn't that sometimes how that happens in life? One day you got a good co-worker. Next day they're ready to whoop, stab you in the back. And the day after that, they're friends with you. But sometimes when we step out of faith, it transforms people's thoughts. It shifts the atmosphere. It changes the environment. It does something when men and women of God step out in faith. There's a shifting. 
See, God can't help himself when he sees that you are hugging on his heart. God can't help himself when he sees how bold you are and decide, I'm going to make an audacious move, an audacious faith leap here. God can't help himself when he saw Jonathan and his armor bearer saying, you know what, God is for us, so perhaps he's going to move. And I know he's not going to let us fail. And God just sends this confusion into the Philistine army. And the fate of Israelites in that time shifted because of the audacious faith that created that shift. And in those scriptures, and I'm not going to read it short on time here, but in that scriptures in 1 Samuel chapter 14, I'm just going to highlight them. It's 15 through 17 and 19 through 23. You will read how Saul and his 600 leaders, that's not even his army, it's just his leaders. So imagine the size of the army heard about the success of Jonathan's attack and then they decide they, they're going to join because their eyes shifted from what they thought was an issue their eyes shifted to what they thought was a problem their eyes shifted to what they thought was a dead end or a brokenness their eyes shifted to God is able if he can do it for them, he'll do it for us. And he'll do it again. God is capable of doing the same for you this morning. So ask yourself, what is your perhaps this morning? What is God calling you to do? Maybe there's a relationship change, financial leap. Your perhaps might be something that's just getting involved in the church, get involved in ministry, or a drastic transition. Remember, God not only shows you the path that he wants you on, but God will also position his strong arm underneath to sustain us along the way. God knows every fear, knows all the uncertainties you navigate. And the greatest thing is, is it's not an uncertainty to God. Your perhaps isn't a perhaps from his perspective. To the Lord, it's more of an opportunity for your faith to form and to grow. And if it's not just your faith he's building, that's the best thing. It's not just your faith, but it's those that are around you. Their faith will grow. Wow. Do you see what Tony did today? He acted out in faith. I'm encouraged by that. Do you see what Cam did? Cam made a, a major business decision, and it's turning out so great for him. I'm encouraged by that. Because I know if he does it for Tony and Cam, he'll do it for me. And that's encouraging. Walls will start coming down. As we just say, you know what, God? I know what your word says. And I want you to be honest this morning. Be honest about your perhaps. Be honest with God and with others. God, perhaps you want me to do this. I don't know for sure can't tell you, can't say for certain. And be honest about that. And even with your with your others that are in this house here this morning, finding somebody that will lock arms with you and join you. And at this time, I'm going to have our, our prayer team to come up front. And as we close this morning, this message here, maybe you are at that moment of that perhaps moment, and you're not quite sure if you should 
really going in this direction. And our prayer team will be up here. And they would love to pray with you. If you are the Jonathan and you're looking for an armor barrier, we have our prayer team here that will link with you, encourage you. And as the people are coming forward this morning, I would ask if you are not getting prayed for, that you just be cognizant of your conversations so that our prayer team can really just lock in and pray for the individuals that need prayer this morning. I hope this morning it encourages you. And I pray that this morning that you would go back in these scriptures and read it again. And that the Lord would continue to illuminate the scriptures to you. And that greater depth and understanding and knowledge of the word will come. I like it when the Lord smacks me in the face with the word of the Lord. And so I pray that God smacks you in the face. Just a good whopping right across the face. Because sometimes we just need that. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for the word that you have allowed me to, to speak and release in this house. And Lord, I pray, Father God, you know every situation. You know what we're in and what we're going to get ourselves in. And so, Lord, I pray, Father God, as, as you are encouraging us this morning, that sometimes it is okay not to be 100% sure. That sometimes we just got to step out in faith. And I thank you, Lord God, that even though we're gonna, we, we step out in faith and there's all those uncertainties and worries and fears, thank you, Lord, that you're there. Thank you, Lord, that our path at least has a little bit of a light on it. Thank you, Lord, that even though I, I may get sidetracked every once in a while, that you are there with your mercy and your grace put me back on the right path. So, Lord, I pray that this morning if there's anybody with the struggles, anybody that is uncertain, those that are battling some things, that are facing certain dire moments in life, I pray that this word would encourage them, that the word of God would encourage them. So, Lord, we thank you and praise you. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand this morning. Amen. Amen. As we are finishing up here again, our prayer team's up in front. Please come and see one of them if you need prayer. Also, first time, if you are here for the very first time, fill out that connections card, right? Miss Francie off to uh, my right, your left. Okay, she's will be in the uh, blue room right around the corner, okay, the connections room there. So if you are very first time been here, or maybe you've been here a second time, but first time filling out a connections card, we'll invite you as well come meet her in that blue room. Uh, she does have a gift. She just wants to get it in your hands just to say thank you for being here this morning and joining us. Uh, first time online, please drop a note. Let us know that you're watching for the first time. And uh, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful, uh, enjoy the day. Have a wonderful week. Hey, remember, as God is blessing, be a blessing to somebody else. Amen. God bless.